This is Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast on TSN 1050. Episode 100. We made it. We've joined the Century Club. Welcome to Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. They said it couldn't be done. And we just blew straight through that stop sign and kept going. Gareth Wheeler with you. No Terry Dunfield this week. It's Eric Giacometti from TFC Digital joining us. Who needs Dunfield? I got my party boy right here, Eric, joining me on this week's podcast. We made it, buddy. We made it. Unbelievable accomplishment. I've only been here for a very short portion of it, but unbelievable accomplishment. Well and, done. and this is your second podcast, I believe? Yes, second podcast hosting. The, the two uh, highest rated podcasts we've had. That's what I'm just going to say. No no offense to Devang Desai, who's going to join us a little bit later on in the of course, podcast. Of course. And no Dunfield this week. But it's a great week, not just only to celebrate 100 episodes of the podcast, but what the team is doing right now is on an absolute other level. Top team in MLS. We're going to reflect upon the win over the Philadelphia Union, and we'll look ahead to this Sunday, a big game against the Montreal Impact. Um, This week has been a whirlwind. You were in Chicago for the 3-1 victory on the weekend. Man, emotions were riding high on the weekend, and we're just keep on rolling through this week, Eric. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the team had circled that Chicago down uh, on the calendar as a game that they really wanted to prove themselves because... The fire had been rising up the east. They hit a little bit of a rough patch, but everybody was hyping that game up as maybe you know an Eastern Conference Finals preview, two of the best. And you kind of saw the class that TFC has this year and completely wiped them out. Uh, wasn't really in doubt too much. There were a couple of nervy minutes in the first half, but going into Chicago, a place that no team had won, they were 10-0-1 going into that game and handing them their first loss. It just shows the quality, the depth. Everything is going right for this TFC. I, I think that's why the win was so big because you've done something that no one else has done on the year. Like Chicago is the best home team in the league. And to go there... TFC has still picked up more points than anyone else on away travels in MLS this season, at least entering the midweek games, and I don't think anyone can catch them. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong on that. They have 20 away points on the year, which is a decent return, but teams typically just don't win that much away from home in MLS. Chicago's been going the other direction. Their team really, after going 11 straight unbeaten, they've only won one, I believe, in their last seven games, but still going to Chicago... It's a, it's a hype game, a sold-out crowd. You still have the Schweinsteigers, the McCartys of the world in that team to go in there and win a difficult 3-1 game. I think that that did wonders not only for the team's mentality to continue to build on that confidence, but I think it's really planted some severe questions across MLS and the rest of the teams, whether teams can actually catch up or, or keep up with Toronto FC at this point. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen in, in my time around MLS uh, a team that's at this level right now in terms of just, it feels like there's an aura around the team. I mean, yeah. You can hear it in post-game press conferences with coaches saying, yeah, TFC's just untouchable right now. Jim Curtin just said, we're going to have to be a lot better if we're going to come anywhere near this team. And he doesn't know if there's any team that can match TFC right now. And it's hard to argue with that because you just look at how complete their performances are. Even even when they're not at their best, they're still managing to get wins. I, I didn't think they were at their best in Chicago and they still managed to go to a place that no one had won and get a, com- you know, a pretty convincing 3-1 win. It just shows... Uh, how complete this team really is. It was a weird game in Chicago, right? Because there was a lot of play on both ends, but not much in the midfield. Like, it was very, very stretched. And we saw a completely different game play out at BMO Field on Wednesday night. 
a convincing, a dominant. I, I don't know if I've seen a more dominant performance on the year, but a 3 nothing victory of the Philadelphia Union when Sebastian Javanko scored on yet another free kick in the 10th minute. It almost seemed like the game was done. Like It was a matter of how much they were going to win by, not if the result was ever going to be in doubt. It had that feel to it, yeah, didn't it? It's, it's funny because going into this game, you start to think back. You know, you look at the disparity in the table between where Philly is on the outside looking into the playoff picture and TFC still you know, king of the, of the castle right now. And you start to think, you know, what, is this going to be another Colorado Rapids or D.C. United where maybe they just can't get it done, the team's going to be bunkering, it's going to exactly. be hard to break them down, two of those 1-1 draws, but uh, tonight it was just a, a completely different animal. I mean, they come out from the get-go, and as you mentioned, it really it didn't feel like the, the Union were ever going to threaten. Jovinko buries another free kick, it's his 11th now, uh, all-time, so adding to his all-time record there. And from there, they really just kept their foot on the pedal, which is something they've done all year, I think, is a testament to, to Greg Vanny's side, is when they have the chance to kill off games, they don't let teams back into it. Rarely will you see uh, a team fight their way back in and, and give them problems. They kind of put their foot down to the throat and, and kill the game off. And the, pretty much the, the whole second half was played in, there in, in the Philadelphia end, chance after chance. Really, Alex Bono had to make one big save, and that was about it, but uh, a really comprehensive victory. Yeah, there was one change ahead of the matchup. And it meant a tactical change as well. It was a 4-4-2 with Jonathan Azorio coming in for Eric Zavaleta. I think that Greg Vanny just wanted a little bit of a different look, added that other player in the midfield. But the thing was, Eric, the team played the exact same way despite changing systems. Like... Hasler and Morrow still played so high up the field. Bradley would almost drop in defensively as that third center back, but the only difference was in attack, he'd move forward and cover all kinds of ground, which he normally does, adding that extra body in the midfield. So I love when Greg Manny says it, like, don't obsess about the way that we line up. Just look at the way that we play. We have a philosophy, we're going to stick to it. And that's what kind of stuck out above the rest is, the team played the exact same way despite changing formation. Yeah, it, it surprised me coming into this one to see a different formation just because, you know, after, you know, last year it was kind of half and half towards the latter end of the stages. We start to see that 3-5-2 that kind of powered them to the playoffs, but we really haven't seen the Diamond, I don't think, since 2016, and to see them go out with that was a little surprising. And I think Jim Curtin's probably on the top of that list of people who were surprised because you could see uh, the Union were scrambling there. They they weren't prepared for that, I don't think. Uh, but you're right, in, in terms of the fullbacks getting super high as, as if they were still uh, a three you know, center backs to cover for them. They were pushing up very high into the attack. Uh, you know, the diamond worked out really well. I thought Jonathan Osorio did very well for himself. Thought he was he great. I'm glad that Greg gave him the full 90 minutes too. Yeah, he deserved it, 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 it had been so long since uh, we've really seen Oso get the start and get the full 90. It hasn't really been since I don't think the Canadian Championship run that we've seen a lot of Oso and. Uh, he he did very well for himself. I thought Nicholas Hassler did very well for himself. It's going to be tough for Bader to kind of fight his way back into the starting lineup. I mean, injuries are, are one thing, but uh, when your replacements keep playing this well, it, it just gives you a lot to think about going into the next week. So the goal came in the 10th minute. I'll, I'll be honest, Javinko went down a little soft, but, I mean, when you're the best player in MLS, there's so many times he doesn't get that call. So he he, he got that call inevitably and simply punished it. Like, that shot was unsavable. Andre Blake came back in the team, first game for the Jamaican International since July 2nd with the Union. 
and he couldn't save none of he couldn't save any three of the goals. Like they, were, they weren't on the goalkeeper. Just an unstoppable shot by Seba. I mean, yeah, Andre Blake is he's he's one of the best in NMLS. Uh, just an athletic freak. I mean, he can uh, he can get up and cover post to post just about as good as anybody in the league. I think. Uh, but you can even see he starts to cheat towards the near post. He's anticipating the same kind of curler that we saw against Sean Johnson in NYCFC, his last free kick goal. He puts it up and over, and I think he's anticipating that. He takes a step, and once he takes that half step towards his near post, it's over. I mean, because he finds the top corner of the far post, and it's the, the post that he's covering, and he still can't get to it. It just shows how pinpoint accurate he can be. And when he's on form like that, look out at MLS because not, there's not much you can do about that. No kidding. 30th minute TFC double lead off a corner kick. Second set piece goal of the night. Vasquez, a drawn up play from the training ground. Hasler with the header. Kisses the crossbar. Goes in. Goals in back-to-back weeks. He came up to me post-match and, and this was covered throughout the game as well. But he's like, I've never scored on a header in my life. Now I've done it twice in a week. Unreal, yeah. He, 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 he seemed like he could <laughs> And he's even... such a nice guy. He was so bashful yeah. about it, too. <laughs> he couldn't wrap his head around it after the game. I, I mentioned it to him in, in Chicago. He said it was Pardon the first the time. And then I say, you know, what, what about uh, this, the second goal now? And it, it's the same thing. Uh, he's, he's having trouble wrapping his head around it. But uh, I, I think it's, it's, it shouldn't be, uh, you know, too far-fetched to think it because he has played in so many different positions uh, throughout his career. He's even played as a striker for the national team, so he has that finishing touch. He can get forward pretty well, uh, but a, a great piece of service from Victor Vasquez. And you know what else is new? I mean, he seems to just pick out whoever he wants, whenever he wants. He's actually assisted Hasler on his first goal in Chicago, so more of the same. Well, and, and he assisted the third goal of the game. Like what? A, it's a cardinal rule in football: you don't clear the ball down the middle. Fabinho did it right. He like played it right to Azorio. It was a beautiful ball right to the Toronto FC player. And again, the word is ruthless. Just quickly in attack, down the middle, give and go. Altador Vasquez, Altador back the net. Goal number 10 on the year for Altador. MLS leading 13th assist for Vasquez. What I love about Victor is he'll play the ball short to you. He'll play it square. And as soon as you pinch, as soon as you commit to the square ball, he looks long. He looks to play it in behind the back line. He did that right there on that goal as well. He's such a smart player. I mean, he continues to amaze me because you you bring in a player like that with high expectations. I mean, Tim Tim Bezbachenko said he's the kind of guy that we want to unlock defenses. And that's, I think, one of the hardest things in MLS or in soccer in general is to try to be that player that can... You know, open up a defense when they're playing a little more compact. Being that number ten is a, a very difficult job, and he's you know he's worn that that uh, you know that moniker and done so well with it, and continues to be that guy that can that can pick the pass whether he's playing short. We saw that lobbed pass over the top, inch perfect in Chicago. Uh, he continues to find ways to break down defenses, and that's exactly what this TFC team is needed. Uh, it, it, like I said, sixty percent possession on the night, by far the better chances. And TFC and Alex Bono pick up another clean sheet. This is of importance. John Conway is going to join us on the podcast later. He's going to speak to just how there are set goals when it comes to clean sheets on the year. And post-match, it wasn't the goals that they scored that they were celebrating. The team was really jacked that finally they came away with a clean sheet. There's been some of those games recently where they give up that meaningless goal. Well, it means something to them. And Bono with an incredible save on El Sino, playing the ball off the crossbar. It was a great save because oh, that tremendous. ball at eyes.
Yeah, no, I, I, at first glance, I, I didn't even see him get get his hand on that just because he was so well struck and it pinged off the crossbar. Uh, but the fact that he was able to get a hand up to that and in a game where he really wasn't tested too much, I think that's a testament to, to Bono, uh, his mental fortitude, to be able to stay locked in and engaged when you don't have a ton to do. You have to just stay as mentally locked in as you can. And uh, being ready for a shot like that, which is really the only true chance I think the Union had all game, up to the task, making the save. And, uh, you know, we saw in Portland giving up that late goal to Diego Valera. It didn't mean much, but it hurts to give up, you know, lose that clean sheet. For them to see it out, it, it just, again, it shows what, how complete this TFC team is. 3 0 was the final. TFC have now scored more goals than they did all of last year. They had 51 last year, they're on 52. They've equaled a club record for points in a season on 53. They still have eight games to go. Uh, over their last six games, league games at home since the beginning of June, outscored their opponents, I believe, 16 to 2. <laughs> they're undefeated at home. It's just, it's. It's it's one of those things they just keep on ticking over. Uh, you're man of the match. You're top red. Oof, that's that's tough. Uh, what did the fans say? The, the fans on I, at Toronto FC on they, Twitter. They just eked it out with Seba. I think okay. uh, they went with the flashy goal. But I, I'm going to give it to Victor again. Another two assists. He's back atop the MLS uh, assist leaderboard. And again, just his ability to to open defenses when. Uh, a, a physical back line, you know, with Gucciannieu back there, and just the, the, his ability to to find the right pass, the interchange, and it, within, you know, in close playing long balls over the top, he always finds the right pass, inch perfect. He's he's just incredible. Yeah, I'm gonna give it to Victor as well. With a shout out to Chris Mavinga, Ye- week in week out, this guy continues to impress. Defensively, you got to step on him. He gets it back just like that. So shout out to Chris as well. I want to talk more about Chris and the overall makeup of the team in the next portion of this podcast. I should also let our listeners know, to celebrate 100 episodes, we're giving away a signed Michael Bradley jersey. Keep it locked to find out how. I'm Wheeler. That's Giacometti. This is Come On You Reds. Now, more of Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. This is Come On You Reds, Gareth Wheeler, Eric Giacometti. This is the 100th episode extravaganza. Giving away a Michael Bradley jersey in a few moments' time. John Conway, goalkeeping coach. And the OG, the guy that started this podcast in Devang Desai, will join me a little bit later on as well. Eric, I want to put this out to you. I think the argument can be made right now that TFC in their team has the best defender based on form in Chris Mavinga and their team. The best left back in this league with Justin Morrow. The best defensive midfielder in Michael Bradley. The best attacking midfielder in Victor Vasquez. And the best attack partnership in this league with Sebastian Javinko and Josie Altidore. Do you think that argument can be legitimately made? And I'm trying to take off the red-colored glasses here. Take away any bias. Just speaking about the overall strength of this team, I think the argument can be made that you have the best in each one of those categories right now. If, if you can certainly make that argument. I mean, you look at the the standings, that kind of tells the whole story, doesn't it? I mean, we're, yeah. we're, this this team doesn't get here without the, the collection of individual performances week in and week out. Uh, you mentioned Chris Mavinga there at the top. He's been a revelation after a, a pretty shaky start in, in one game against Atlanta. I think he's probably been maybe their their best defender of the season. You know, Drew Moore's missed a bit of time. You have to give a shout out to Eric Zavaleta, who's been steady all year long. But uh, in terms of just the the pure athletic ability of Chris Mavinga, you mentioned his his recovery speed. I think he might be 
one of, if not the best, one-on-one defender just for how physical he is, how quick he is. And he's also calm on the ball. When you put the ball at his feet, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't just look to boot it upfield. He makes the right pass out of the back. And uh, just through that whole spine, that's where you want to be your strongest. You mentioned Michael Bradley, Victor Vasquez, and, and the strike partnership up top. They're just they're so strong up the middle of the field, and I think that's what's led them to so much success this year. And they have the best depth in the league as well. That, that I don't think you can really argue. <laughs> like 15 different goal scorers. And it's not just the goal scorers. It's players playing various roles within the team. Right. So it's, it, it, there, it's not a coincidence. This isn't by fluke that this is the best team in the league. And it's funny. Like I see that MLS announced December 9th is MLS Cup. It was played December 10th here in Toronto last year. Well, Supporter Shield, you know, cementing the fact that if you win all the way through, that the game will be played here December 9th. I'm just telling you, it's something in the stars. I don't want to. Jinx, I don't even think it's a matter of jinxing. I don't believe in that garbage. But everything's trending in the right direction here with this team. And I look across MLS at right at this time. I'm like, who can truly challenge Toronto? Like the next best team in the league is New York City FC. They they haven't been able to play with Toronto. They came here to BMO Field and lost four nil. Yeah, it, it was it was another comprehensive win. I mean, granted, they had to start Pirlo in the midfield, which these days is almost more of a detriment. I hate to say it, as one of my favorite players of all time. But Mine too. Yeah, uh, it's it's tough to see anyone touching them right now. And again, there's a long way to go before the end of the season. Uh, Michael Bradley would be the first one to admit that uh, that they haven't won anything yet. But on their current form, it's they're just head and shoulders above the rest of the league. You look at their depth, you look at their starters, and there's just so much quality throughout the team that. There's not a whole lot that you can do to, to knock them off their perch right now, barring a major injury. You mentioned Michael Bradley. Apparently, this is the rumor, he sent us a message congratulating us on our 100th episode. Let's hear from the captain, the General Michael Bradley. Hi, this is Michael Bradley. Congratulations on the 100th episode of Come On You Reds. Look at that, E. We're a big deal. We made it when Michael Bradley gives us a shout-out. Always, always a good thing to hear from the captain. Uh, always a big listener, I'm sure. Yes, of course. Come on. Bradley's all over this podcast. He keeps on asking me, when can I come on? I said, maybe episode 150. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> He's got to earn his stripes. If he plays his cards right. We're giving away a Michael Bradley jersey. And this is how you have your chance to win. Michael Bradley is one of four players that has played 100 games, made 100 appearances for Toronto FC. Name one of the other three players. All you got to do, hit me up on Twitter, at WheelerTSN. Use the hashtag C-O-Y-R, come on you Reds, podcast. Hashtag C-O-Y-R podcast. Name me one of the three other Toronto FC players who have joined that Century Club and that Michael Bradley signed jersey could be yours. Sounds good? Quite the prize, man. You got to get on that. Solid. Uh, Bradley will feature this weekend. Spoke after the game to TSN's Christian Jack about the game against the Montreal Impact. It is Heineken Rivalry Week in MLS. I love this rivalry and where it's come in a very short period of time. The turning point for me, Eric, was two years ago, Toronto FC's first playoff game, and they were quite frankly frustrated and embarrassed in Montreal. They lost that game 3-0. From that time, I think it was a real wake-up call for the club, the nucleus, the players in the team of what they had to do to rise and take things to the next level, and they've answered that bell, and they've turned things around, beating them in the Eastern Conference Finals in dramatic fashion, as well as this year's Canadian Championship. And I think that because of that game, because of all the goals, because of the, the dramatics, because of some of the incidents that have played out as well, 
on and off the field, this is a true, authentic, quintessential rivalry that I would say, you're from New York, but I would say that this one right now is the hottest in MLS. No, I'll give you the foreigner's perspective you just mentioned. Yeah, I'm, 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 I, I, I am an immigrant to the country, so I can, uh, I can speak from a different vantage point. But my, my first introduction to the rivalry was that 2015 playoff series. I said, okay, I'll, I'll tune into some playoff action. Toronto getting in for the first time, and uh, they kind of got shell-shocked and you know, played off the field that day. But the, the 2016 series uh, was, again, objectively, I wasn't with the team at the time, was the, the best series I've seen in MLS. And one of the best just in soccer in general, just the, the intensity going down 3-0 in Montreal, fighting back. And the fact that it had to be a 3-2 result in the second leg to force extra time. And just Sheru's header, I mean, that's, I can still hear John Strong's call in my head and the, the, the way that the stadium erupted. Uh, and, of course, the, the 2017 Canadian Championship, almost, almost as good with Seba finishing it off uh, late in the game. And, and I was there for how loud that stadium was. That was incredible. So uh, it's hard to argue with... Uh, with just how intense that rivalry is. I've, I've been a part of the Red Bulls NYC, and I, I know how much those fans hate each other. I know how much those teams hate each other just from being in those locker rooms. Uh, but it's, it's no different here. It's even more so just how intense it is. And, and now, like, I think things get ramped up because three of TFC's last eight games come against the Montreal Impact. And you can make the argument that the Supporters' Shield, uh, the Montreal Impact, stand in the way of Toronto FC winning that Supporters' Shield. And wouldn't they love to knock them off the perch? Yeah. I mean, for exactly. a, a team that has had a... a you know they've had their rough patches, but right now they're you know one of the hotter teams in MLS and led, yeah, led by Nacho Piatti, he's playing you know some of his best soccer. Well, he's a new contract, best. show him the money. Listen, do you know what bothered? I just want to side rant here. People ripped on Dero back in the day when he did sign the check, and there was a lot going on at that time. I don't hear anyone ripping Piatti about the hands to the ears doing the Raquel May. It's just a double standard for me. Dero took way too much heat when he shouldn't have. Rant done. No. <laughs> Sorry. I, I remember I that back in. in the day. But, I mean, when, when, when Piotti's at his best, uh, I think he's amongst the best, maybe top three, four in MLS. So he's carrying that team right now. And uh, it, it just makes it all the more intriguing when you look at, you know, the hottest team in MLS and, you know, the Montreal Impact coming, you know, coming to town or we're heading to Montreal and then they're back in Toronto. So... Uh, the fact that there's three games this late in the season with this much riding on it, as you mentioned, the Supporters' Shield at stake, they would love to knock TFC off the perch. It just adds a little bit more flavor to the, to the rivalry as if it needed any more, but uh, just a lot to look forward to in those last well, three. Think about the, even the Canadian Championship. Biello complaining about the refereeing. Even though Sebastian Javinko was denied a clear penalty, Betasher suffered a lacerated pancreas, and Kyle Fisher wasn't sent off. A... Montreal Impact, French-language radio guy punched a hole in the wall up here at BMO Field. Like, there's legitimate heat here. I cannot wait for this Sunday. I just don't want to hear that stupid North Bell ring. I'm, like, praying for a clean sheet this weekend. That's, uh, listen, I'm, I'm sure you're not alone. Uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of TFC fans traveling as they always do. I was there in Chicago and I think there's going to be away. hundreds going. Blown away by the support there. I mean, they were almost as loud as the other 20,000 in support in Chicago. So I can only imagine how many they're going to send to Montreal. And uh, just the, the heat of that rivalry will, will amp them up even more. So uh, always a fun time when you get to see those two, two teams go at it. And so much on the line, so much at stake. It's going to be interesting. Care to make a prediction? Oof. Uh, if Step I, I'm, up, I'm terrible at predictions, but I will give mine. I'm going to call it... <laughs> I'm going to go 2-1 to TFC. I think they keep rolling. I know it's tough to win on the road. I know it's tough to win in a rivalry game. 
Uh, but I just think this team is, is firing in all cylinders. They'll be on short rest, but I don't think it matters. I think this team has too much depth, and I think they'll, they'll manage to get a result. It's a tough place to play. I'll give them that. I think Montreal, when they get stuck in defensively, they're good. But this TFC team has too much speed for this impact team, especially through the midfield. I like TFC going away with a 2-0 victory. Two no nil. North Bell ringing. Ooh, so clean sheet, go big prediction. Nil. Good stuff. Uh, you can follow Eric on Twitter at Eric underscore Giacometti with a G because he is a G. Right. At Toronto FC on Twitter as well. Instagram. You guys are so busy. You're doing great stuff this year, man. Keep up the great work. And Eric, stepping up for Terry Dunfield this week. Terry's coming after your gig. Listen, I, I would never, I would never take a Canadian legend's job. Is it a Canadian legend? Terry's a Canadian legend, of course, <laughs> big time legend. TFC coach, analyst. I mean, he does it all. He is oh, the yeah. true Renaissance man of TFC. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Come on the podcast again soon, okay? Always. It's Eric Giacometti. TFC Montreal Impact, 4:30 p.m. on TSN, TSN 10:50 this Sunday. Cannot wait. TFC goalkeeper coach John Conway joining me next. Now. More of Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. Welcome back to Come On You Reds. Wheeler with you, our 100th episode. That means you got to call in the big guns. Mr. John Conway, goalkeeper coach with Toronto FC. You've been itching to be on this podcast, and what better time than joining the Century Club, pal? Exactly. I've been waiting 100 episodes to get in here, and now, uh, now I'm here. So. It only took you 100. Yes. So don't worry. Some other... Coaches on the coaching staff. I won't mention any names. It'll, they'll have to wait till 200. Perfect. Uh, it's awesome having you. This is special times at this club. Are, are you at a point right now watching this team play and seeing what they've accomplished this year? And you're saying to yourself, I knew it was going to be good, but this good, this is above and beyond what even we expected from this team. You know, it's a good question. First of all, thanks for having me. But in that regard, I, I look at it like... Um, it's very special at the moment, but it also shows uh, where we're going and sort of what's out there for us to, to, get, to go get. Um, I think, obviously, this year we have our sights on the Supporters' Shield and continue making that run, uh, MLS Cup. But I also think in the big picture, we have a chance here with this group to, to do some damage, hopefully, in the Champions League. And I think those three things are things that we look at and say, we're, we're building, we're building and building and building for those moments uh, as they come. It, it seems like being an outsider who's kind of in and around the club, that the entire coaching staff has that very measured approach. Kind of like what you said about the gradual build. Does Greg set the tone or is that just something as a collective that you guys just mesh well and that vision's kind of ingrained in all of your processes? And your I think thoughts? it's a little bit both to be fair. I think Greg sets the tone obviously for the group but I think we all take a very uh, a measured approach to everything. I thought um, you know, from the time we started here, we knew it was going to be a process. Obviously, it got accelerated with with how well we did last year, I think, um, and how well we performed, obviously, with the run through the playoffs um, and set expectations a bit higher. But we all knew that eventually we were, we were moving to a place where we wanted to be considered the best in MLS. Um, that just doesn't happen for no. teams. I mean, intentions are one thing, execution's another. Correct, and I think I think a lot of things have come together. I thought, I think... Um, the group and the people that we've brought in uh, have been very vital. Uh, not only, you know, uh, obviously, the support staff around the team, but the members of the team that we've brought in. You know, you look at a guy like uh, Chris Mavinga, who has come over and, and 
and and had a had a rough first game at the club, but the way the group surrounded him and the way the staff surrounded him to bring him up for his next performances and and to do what he's doing this year, he's arguably one of the best one-on-one defenders in the league. You look at uh, Victor Vasquez, who is class uh, in the midfield for mm-hmm. I would say any team in this league. He's not going to you know dribble by guys. He's not going to uh, you know do fancy moves, but he's going to get the ball from A to B and he's going to get it to you on a on a dime and and let you do what you got to do with it. But you know another class guy, and, and then you have guys that you know. Look at Marky Delgado, what he's done over the last, you know, four months. And then you go back to the goalkeepers who just kind of go in and do their thing and, 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 and put in solid performances to, to aid the group and, and keep this train moving in the right direction. I, I, want, I want to talk about the goalkeepers in a moment, but even over the course of your playing days, you play with some good players and some good teams. But the collective, the depth, the, the quality in terms of numbers and in terms of special talent as well. Have you ever seen a team like this in this league? I haven't seen uh, from 1 to 24 or 28, whatever the roster size is, as, as deep as this. It's it's pretty impressive. I think it, it goes into a lot of, of, of Greg and how we get the group uh, put together each week and how we train and everybody has their sort of role and understands what's being asked of them and Greg makes sure that, that they understand what's being asked for of them and they're able to go in and do it. I mean, uh, you know, it's about setting guys up to be successful, right? I mean, you don't want to put a guy in a position where they can't be successful. Right. Then you wind up losing them for a couple of weeks and, you know, you put guys in positions to be successful and go in and do it. With John Conway, by the way, do you call Greg the Greg father? Um, I, I, after after that happened, we we, we made uh, some pretty good jokes in the uh, coach's uh, room about it. But, but it he doesn't fun. say only refer to me as the Greg no, Father. He does not. It he hasn't does gone not. to his head. It hasn't gone to his head yet. Okay. Maybe That's maybe another uh, tifo or two about him being the Greg Father will. Uh, you don't want to end up like Sonny. Like you yeah. know, it, that's the thing here. You don't want to mess with with the Greg Father. Uh, the two goalkeepers that you've had to work with over the course of the past couple of years in Alex Bono and Clint Irwin. They've been very good as well. Some true competition at the position. Is that difficult to deal with, two guys who are very good, um, who want to play, want to be out there? Like, How do you manage on a day-to-day basis? To be honest, it's, it, it's pretty easy to manage. I mean, you, you just have to manage their expectations and what's, what they expect and what's going to happen. Um, you know, obviously, one goalkeeper plays, and they yeah. both recognize that. You had to deal with that over the course of your career Correct. as well. Uh, and I think that's that's a very important part of this is that you know throughout my career you know I, with all the different guys that I was with I, I kind of learned how to make it work because uh, you come across some very difficult personalities with goalkeepers strange strange and and awkward <laughs> and and yeah and you know generally just weird guys the stereotype yeah. is true so you know with our group I I, I made it a point to say. Uh, Every day you're trying to be the best that you can be and, 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 and to get better each day. But by you getting better, you're also driving the guy next to you to get better. And it's driving me to be a better coach. And as a collective, we're going to get better and we're going to be the best unit on the team. And that was that was a goal we kind of set out in the beginning of the year. We want to be the best unit on the team. We want to say, okay, the goalkeeping is, you know, really doing a great job. We're, we're going into games. We're we're putting up shutouts. Uh, we're making the saves we're supposed to. And, and we're helping the team uh, to its goals, which are obviously supporters shield. And, when, when you and, talk when you talk about depth, though, that I mean, that includes goalkeeping. And, and a lot of teams across the league, they lose their first choice goalkeeper. They're in trouble. Not this team, though. 
Yeah, we're in a we're in a, we're a very good place because we have two guys that can that can do it uh, on any team in this league, um, and it's nice and it's a comfort for me to have these two guys because I know um, if something was to happen, I we can rely on uh, rely on the other one to come in and do it. Are you surprised how quick things? You know how Alex has grown so quickly, like very young in his MLS career. Uh, not necessarily surprised. I think you know. Um, from the time we started sort of uh, scouting him and getting feedback from coaches that I trusted that have watched him and seen him in, in college. And then from the time we got him in, he was always, uh, he always had a, a picture of where he wanted to get to and he was motivated to get there. And it was just about um, making sure there was a process to that and measuring out uh, the approach to getting him to that point, and I think um, you know we did a good job early on with uh, making sure he knew that it's going to take games with TFC two to gain experience. It's going to take games with TFC two to um, gain confidence, and it's going to take a day in and day out approach that you have to learn to set the foundation for your entire career. This is something that you know if you do early on, you do it right and you understand what you got to do day in and day out that once you set it early it's done and it's ingrained and you can take it for the long term um i think that's something that um i look back on my own personal career that um early on with the league and the, and, and kind of where it was at the time we didn't have the sort of comforts that we have here and it 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 didn't happen for me early on and i had to learn it a little bit later and i think it was too late um, especially like how to take care of myself, how to be in the gym, how to train the right way. And I think by making sure we set that right with him early on, that he's set for success now for a long term. And, you know, it got sped up a little bit. Obviously, unfortunate circumstance uh, uh, last year with Clint picking up an injury in Orlando gave Bones an opportunity at that point. And again, because of the games with TFC 2, we put him in a position when it did come up that he was able to be successful. But, but, but the turn, turning point for me was through failure. He had a difficult Correct. night in San Jose, so did the whole team, but the fact he bounced back. Yeah. Like, that told you a lot about the play. For sure. I mean, uh, you know, those are, those are difficult times, but having real conversations after those events um, and him being real about where he stood and, you know, standing in front of the, in front of the media and being like, that's on me a hundred percent and didn't shy away from, him. I think it shows the type of person that he is and that he's able to, to deal with adversity and come out on the other side, uh, stronger. For how many goals this team scores, like, I'm just so impressed by the defensive approach of the team as well. And I think back to games like against Chicago at home, against Portland at home, conceding those late goals to spoil a clean sheet. How much does that bother you? Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a little thing. Like the game settled, the three points are there, but it's it's the details, right? Yeah, I mean, we know we we knew we had the game uh, in hand. It's just to close a game out with a zero. I mean, that's why you play goalkeeper. I mean, your job is to go in and make sure no goals are scored. So that for me, we set that. You know, it's a goal every time you go out. No goals. I mean, that's. That's that's what you do as a goalkeeper. Like you do not want to pick the ball out of the back of the net. That's like the worst feeling. And those, you know, obviously I was upset because those were minutes away from from clean sheets. And I know how important it is, not only for the goalkeeper, but I know as a defensive collective group, we set out goals to set out um, goals for shutouts and how many we want to have uh, throughout the year. And 
you know, it's disappointing. Um, but again, it, it toughens the guys up a little bit, knowing that, hey, listen, the last five minutes of games, no matter what the situation is, let's close this out the right way and get that zero because it, it's important for the defense and the goalkeeper. Got to ask you, this was a story, I think it's been undertold. We want to do a sit-down interview on camera, get your beautiful face out there, John, not just the podcast here. But are you boys with Joey Votto of the Cincinnati Reds? How did this come about where you're working with him on his defensive play? It was, a baseball kinda, player seeking, seeking out yeah, help came, from a goalkeeper. It came kind of out of the blue. Um, an email came through uh, from MLSE. He contacted somebody he knew in MLSE, and and it got moved over to me. And we reached out to see if we could help him out. And uh, we came came in and we met. Uh, we talked several times about setting up uh, and, and seeing if we could do a program. It ended up eventually not working out. But he wanted to come in. He felt that uh, his uh, position as a first baseman. Um, he could learn to be a better defending first baseman. Are there but, similar traits, similar so, skill set? You know, I thought I think one area that he was he wanted to address was sort of a diving, uh, how to dive properly. Properly, um, I think it was just an uncomfortable thing for baseball players to kind of feel hitting the ground that way. They slide, but it's a little bit different where you're actually diving and trying to stop a ball, and uh, and and that was an area that he thought hmm. goalkeeping could could help out. Um, so we talked a few times. We ended up not able to, with with us making a playoff run and him traveling for whatever he was doing in the offseason, not able to, to make it work. Um, but we had a couple couple interesting conversations about the whole process. Is this something that could be open though? I don't know. It'd be up. To, you know, it's up. It'd be up to him to, to for. You know, if he was interested in, in doing something and and reaching back out, we. I'd sit down with him again for Doesn't sure. Doesn't need help hitting. I mean, no, because he's obviously hitting the lights out right no now. No kidding, dude is incredible. Yeah, it's just it's just an interesting story because there's oftentimes sports where you're like, okay, the skill set makes sense. Like for me, during my playing days, basketball worked just Correct. because the way that you use your body, yep. you know, getting goal side, getting in between players yep. and the ball, especially defensively. I think there's a like for like skill set. You can say the same thing for hockey, but baseball was never something yeah. that I kind of equate. Or, or, yeah, it was interesting. You know, I guess you know I could see where he was coming from, just from a defensive standpoint, and 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 learning how to get comfortable moving and diving and moving and extending yourself to extend range. Right. Um, but it was an interesting conversation. I mean, you know, a, a lot of respect to him for reaching out. You know, I think uh, you know he took a took a look at what he needed to do and thought, oh, well, this this kind of this kind of this is kind of relates to what I need to get better at, and and made the effort to to seek advice. And I think that's uh, that's kudos to him. And I think you know you see his success, uh, especially now. Um, he's hitting the ball incredibly well. Defensively, I haven't seen enough games. I've I've obviously watched the highlights. But, sure. Um, too many games in baseball, anyways. A lot of games. Yeah, uh, Montreal's ahead. Looking forward to it this Sunday. The rivalry's r- real, right? Like, yeah, for sure. You feel it throughout the team. Yep, and obviously it's it's ratcheted up a little bit um, with regards to last season's playoff series. Um, and the Canadian Championship. This, Canadian is, the, this is the first well. league game in, in, against Montreal in quite some time. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be interesting. And they're you know they're they've caught. They've caught fire of, of, of late and have been playing well. Um, 
Piotti's looking sharp and Zamali's looking good. Wants so a new contract, Johnny. That's money talks, <laughs> right? So you got to do it on the field and then uh, hopefully he gets taken care of. But who knows? As I said, they're, they're a good team. We always look forward to this matchup. And obviously we got three coming up against them in the next you know nine or whatever it is. So uh, it'll be a good and exciting for everybody. Get these Sunday games out of the way now because you're a Philly guy. Yeah. I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Yes. Expecting same. a big year? You know, I hope. Uh, like the Darby trade. Uh, yeah. I watched, uh, I watched the first two series of their last preseason game, and I, I felt like Carson Wentz didn't look look so hot. He threw a couple balls high. Against the Bills. No one yeah. looked hot. No one, no one was great, but I... I, I you know, I, I just feel like it's a detail. Like, if you're showing up for eight plays, like, you should execute on your eight plays and then get out. Um, and he looked – he didn't look great. So it's got me a little bit concerned. I've made – I've text messaged back home to my family, and they're like, listen, relax. It's only a preseason game. We go, yeah, I know, but, you know, as I said, you expect some execution early on if you're only going to go in for eight plays. I like what I saw last year, though. Yeah, for sure. And even if it's not this year, even though I think the NFC East is wide open. Yep. I think it's coming. You got your quarterback. You got a de- decent offensive line. You have a decent front seven. Yep. You know, just got to now fill in some of the gaps, couple, couple right? Decent receivers that yep. they brought in. So, you know, again, I think secondary. I think they needed some help, uh, but I think they'll be all right. Awesome. Good stuff. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure. He is John Conway. He's the brains behind the goalkeeping operation here at TFC. Behind the scenes, he doesn't say it on camera. He takes all the credit for everything that Alex and Clint accomplished. (laughs) I'm kidding, buddy. That is John Conway right here on Come On You Reds. Now, more of Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. Gareth Wheeler with you. This is Come On You Reds. The 100th episode of this podcast would not be complete without hearing from the OG, the creator, the inspiration behind this podcast. It was his baby once upon a time, and looky, looky, it's all grown up right about now. Formerly of Toronto FC is Devang Desai joining us on the line. Devang, on the line from Germany. How are you, pal? We miss you here in Toronto. We also are doing great. Miss you too. Just wanted to congratulate you, Terry, and the whole team for making it to 100. I mean, it's uh, it's a testament to you guys. And look, and look what happened when I left. The okay. team is on the verge of being the best ever. You left at the end of last summer, right? Do you know the exact date, Devang? I believe it was October 15th. Oh, okay. So, so it was uh, that game, and yeah, game so, against Montreal. So literally, we can track back when the team started to go on this incredible run to you leaving the club. Is there any coincidence whatsoever? <laughs> I mean, no, I think it's totally related. I, uh, and to prove that, I came back for the MLS Cup final, and we know what happened there. But that's, that's, that's history now. I mean, looking at this team from afar, it's just impressive what they've been able to do and on the cusp of history. Dwayne, we might have to ban you from BMO Field for future MLS Cups or CONCACAF Champions League games. Uh, You've been watching (laughs) from afar. You're living in Vancouver, Whitecaps territory. But what has impressed you most about this Toronto FC team? And you, you know a lot of these guys very well from your time from the club, but watching from afar, what stands out to you the most? It's got to be the depth. And I know that's a bit of a cliche when you talk about Toronto FC these days, but Looking at the rotation Greg Vanny's been able to implement and, and how many guys have played such important roles 
it's a testament to the coaching staff and, and the, the squad for staying ready. The depth has been incredible. The overall contributions, top to bottom, have been incredible. And it's almost as if taking that next step, and there's, there's, there's always seminal, mo- seminal moments in a club's growth. And you were with the team back when they lost that playoff matchup. The first playoff match against the Montreal Impact. It was a 3-0 final. It was a frustrating, it was a difficult night in Montreal. And now we're looking at Sunday, the rivalry week between Montreal and Toronto FC and how far both teams have come since that time. But I always look back at that game as being the turning point for this franchise. I don't know if you'd agree with that, Devang, but I think you learn a whole lot through losing sometimes. And this team is kind of use that to springboard themselves ahead to accomplish so much more. 100%. There, there was a coffee table in the visitors' locker room at Stad Saputo that if you saw it after that loss in Montreal, you would know how much that meant. So I think it's just a, it's a case of learning to win. And I know that's a horrible cliche, but look at this team now. and I mean, just look at the lineup that was against that Montreal team in that playoff game. You mean you don't miss Ahmed Kantari in the team? <laughs> I'm not here to slander anyone on my return <laughs> to, the, to the podcast, but we've come a long way, my friend. Yeah, no kidding. Um, you have plenty of really great memories of being with the club. Now that you've been away from the team, is there something that you miss more than anything else? I'm not going to lie. I miss, I miss being there for the game, Sabimo. I think we always wanted to make it a fortress and... You can definitely call that a fortress now. So I do miss catching the home games, but uh, I do enjoy wearing my CSD flag in Vancouver and getting the horrible looks from people. So that makes it all worth it. It's all about the banter, buddy. Are, are, are you a lone soldier out there in Vancouver in terms of I, Toronto you know FC I, support? I got a lot of uh, friends who support CSD out here as well, so... We take uh, pride in how good our club is and maybe poke a little fun at the Whitecaps when they struggle. So this is obviously is the 100th episode of the podcast. Maybe just to kind of wrap up here, take us back to when this was just an idea. This was just a concept and how much this meant to you being able to bring Toronto FC news and debate and analysis to the diehard support of this club on a weekly basis. Well, I, a lot of credit has to go to Sean Kay for for supporting me in the idea and, and hooking us up with the equipment and and hooking me up with you, to be honest, Wheels. I think our friendship and relationship started with this podcast, and not only was it a chance to talk CFC, but it was also a chance to share our passion for this club and speak to our fans and speak about this team and how far they've come. So it meant a lot. I mean... Just the fact that it's at 100 now is a fantastic achievement, and I and here's to 100 more. Here, here, well put. Uh, we certainly miss you. Now I'm stuck with Terry Dunfield on a weekly basis. Thank you very much, <laughs> Devang. Uh, but, but Terry's done a great job as well, and I hope that we're doing you proud from afar. Uh, we have a ton of fun. 100%. Terry and I say to one another each and every week that it's our favorite hour getting together and doing this podcast. And it's all because of you, quite frankly. So we thank you, Devang. 100. Next time we get together, we'll have to celebrate properly. 100% wheels. Have a blast. And uh, I'll be listening from afar. Thanks, buddy. Come on, you Reds.
It was great hearing from Devang, and each, even though each and every week it's guys like myself and Terry and Eric that are bringing you the podcast. There's so many other people that have played a big role in getting this on air. Sean Kay is being huge. Michael Gal- Galfan, Rebecca Ross, we have to thank them. Our old producer, Heather, uh, she's done some great work. Danielle, Renata now stepping up, doing some big work. Ellie, there's just so many people involved in this production that make this possible. And the fact that we're here and we've done 100 episodes now, it's a testament not only to the crew that works with Toronto FC and the club, it's you, the listener, as well. When I ask about fan experiences and being part of something special, Toronto FC is top of mind. Look, we have some great teams in the city. We have some great fan support, but I'm sorry they all pale in comparison to what Toronto FC supporters bring to the table each and every week at BMO Field. No matter where TFC goes, you follow. And your support, it's so well received, not only by us. I mean, we're just people that cover the team, but the players, the coaching staff, the people that leave their blood, sweat, and tears on the field of play, not only for themselves, the collective, but for you, the city, and its amazing supporters as well. So keep it up. This is an incredible season that we're experiencing here, and really the sky's the limit for this club. Keep on supporting, and we'll keep on doing our thing as well, okay? And we'll celebrate all over again when we reach episode number 200. On behalf of everyone with Toronto FC, I am Gareth Wheeler, and this has been episode 100 of Come On You Reds.